Hi, this is your host, Pete Bloom. Welcome to American Heroes Network. Our core mission is serving the brave men and women who have sacrificed to ensure our freedom. You will hear true stories from those that have served, learn about veteran organizations and resources, and gain hope for your future knowing American Heroes Network, your community, and other veterans are here and at the ready to serve and help you and your family. We will talk about the hard topics like PTSD and TBI. You will also hear military history, inspirational stories, learn about networking with the community, and more. So come join us and be part of our family. I met today's guest while volunteering at Project Transition USA. He dedicates time to taking professional headshots of veterans for free so they can have a great photo for their LinkedIn profile. He's a retired Air Force Lieutenant Colonel who flew 200 combat missions in Southeast Asia and was awarded the Distinguished Flying Cross seven times. He served a total of 22 years in the Air Force. He's now the founder and photographer of Pics in the Glen. I would like to welcome Glenn Nielsen. Glenn, thank you for serving, and how are you doing today? Well, I'm doing just outstanding, Pete. Thank you very much. So first thing is, I have to ask you, how was it growing up on a farm? Well, I actually have to say it was really good for me. Definitely kept me out of trouble because there was always enough to do that you didn't have the opportunity to go get in trouble. My nearest neighbor that was my age was probably over a mile away. The nearest neighbor at all was a quarter of a mile away. And when I was growing up, it was an area that you never locked your house. You never locked your car. The only time you locked your doors is if you went on vacation. Everybody helped everybody else. You had a volunteer fire department. If there was a fire any place within about 20 miles, everybody just jumped in their car and ran and got there as quickly as they could. It was a very, very positive environment to live in. You know, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio, and my grandfather in Kentucky had a farm. And I know that every time we went there, me and my brother, we had the greatest time just, you know, running around, messing with the animals, playing in the barn. And it is a really positive environment. I always have good memories of back in those days when me and my brother were young. Yep. So I saw another thing. I noticed that uh, it looks like we both went into the military right after high school. Yeah. Well, I went to the academy. So, yes, I did go into the military directly, but I was not commissioned until after I finished college, which was four years later. So when you were in the military, you flew the Phantom II, is that correct? That is correct, the F-4. Is that the one that you were in when you were on all those combat missions? Yes. Could you tell us a little bit about that, if that's all right? Sure. It was called the Flying Rock. It was called Big Ugly. It had all kinds of names, none of which were complimentary. But it proved that if you had enough power, you could make a rock fly. Fully loaded at max gross weight, it weighed more than a semi fully loaded. Wow. And it went twice the speed of sound. So you can imagine flying in this. You could easily pull five, five and a half Gs, which in today's world, that's not significant because in current aircraft can pull up to eight, nine Gs. But that's times your weight multiple times. So at five Gs, if you weighed uh, 200 pounds, you'd be at the same as if you weighed a thousand pounds. So the work that your heart would go through, your muscles would go through is the same as if you weighed a thousand pounds. So it's a uh, physiologically, it's challenging to your body. I've seen those G suits that you have to wear when you're flying that fast and they're really kind of crazy looking. Yeah. What did it feel like or what was it like to you just flying through the air at those incredible speeds? Was it just amazing? Well, it really depends on whether or not there was something around you. If you're flying at 20,000 feet and there's no clouds, there's no sensation of speed. I mean, it's just like you're just sitting there doing nothing. If you're flying in mountains and you're 200 feet off the ground, it's like being on a Corvette going down a mountain road at 200 miles an hour. 
it's really exciting. So you flew a lot of combat missions. I'm definitely glad that flying combat missions, obviously, first of all, that you're safe and that you made it through all that okay, but that must have been a pretty crazy experience as well, huh? Oh, yes. I would say I've seen everything that the North Vietnamese had as far as defensive weapons, aircraft, AAA, anti-aircraft artillery, missiles, probably within less than 200 feet. Wow, that's incredible. Including airplanes. I've seen an airplane go by close enough I could see the pilot's helmet. Wow. You know, it's kind of amazing because we serve time in the military and then we get out and then we go about our life doing whatever it is that we do now. And you walk past people and they just have no idea of the phenomenal or insane things that we have seen. That is true. And I think that's true of everybody in the military. Every person that's worn a uniform has sacrificed. Some have sacrificed much more than others. I would not say that it's unenjoyable. It's not necessarily something that you would want to do forever. But the camaraderie that you have, the feeling when you're able to rely and know that someone's got your back and you've got their back and it's not just a statement, you know, your life is in their hands and and you accept that fact. And when you do that, there's a bond that's built that there's no way to describe it. Yeah, and it kind of shows with, like, for example, how we are. I mean, here it is, you know, years later, and we're both still spending time volunteering on a regular basis every month to help out our transitioning veterans today because that camaraderie actually lasts forever. You know, once you have it, once you've been a part of that, it just never goes away. And I think we actually both enjoy going and volunteering to help out our transitioning veterans. Well, I know I do. It's one of the things I look forward to every month. It's just so rewarding to be able to do something to help somebody else. You actually stepped out of whatever it was that you happened to be doing to take pictures of veterans who were there. Yes. Who were really trying to get out into the business world and learn some things. And I really appreciate you coming out to do that for us. Well, I know how important it is to have a good photograph, a good image when you're presenting yourself, because realistically, that is your resume. And the way people use technology today to pre-qualify people before they want to talk to them, if you don't have a picture out there, you just shot yourself on the foot. And then if you've got a selfie or if you've got something that's low quality, again, you're shooting yourself in the foot because you're telling your potential employer you don't care. And if you don't care about yourself, why are you going to care about his company? And that message comes across loud and clear. And I don't want people to have that as a handicap. You know, if I can do something to make it better for them, to get them a nice professional photograph that people are going to look at it and say, he cares about himself, then that's worth it. I wanted to tell everybody that the picture that's my profile picture is a picture that you took. So I stand behind your pictures. I think they're great. So anyone that you take for any one of these veterans, they're going to get a good product. I think so. And that's my goal. You know, it's not a question of, well, it's good enough. You know, I snapped the picture and now it's done. No, I go in and I take the time to make sure that they look good. So there was another interesting thing that I wanted to ask you about with your military career. You had said you had an exchange tour with the German Air Force. Correct. Now, that sounds very interesting. How did that work? Did you fly their planes? Just kind of tell me a little bit about that. Well, they were flying F-4 Phantoms, but yes, I flew their airplanes. I was in their squadron. There was uh, one other person with me. It was a navigator. So there were two Americans at the base, and everybody else there was German. We went to the Defense Language Institute in Monterey, California, for six months before we went to Germany. 
it was one of those situations I learned a lot about grammar, but not a whole lot of vocabulary. And so about 10 minutes after I got there, I ran out of things to say. And from then on, it was a challenge. You know, there were days I came back to my room and my head was throbbing and I just never wanted to hear another word of German in my entire life. But after about a year, it got to the point where I was basically fluent. You know, I could carry on a conversation. And by the time I left that exchange tour after three years, and then I went to a NATO headquarters after that. And so I spent six years in pretty much constant contact with German people. And when I got through, I was relatively fluent. I could talk about most anything. And of course, you know, some of that goes away. I lose a little bit, but I can still, and we're talking 20 some years later, I can still carry on a conversation in German. Wow, that's a long time to do something like that. Did you end up drinking a lot of German beer while you were doing that? <laughs> I did have a pint or two, yes. <laughs> and overall, would you say it was a pleasant experience doing that kind of exchange program? Oh, absolutely. You were there. You were representing the United States. The people I was associated with, most of them had been in America for training. So they knew what our side looked like. And, uh, you know, they were obviously really good allies. It was just like being in an American squadron. I mean, I had responsibilities the same I would have had in an American squadron. And uh, I was an instructor pilot, so I was actually teaching their pilots how to fly or how to do certain maneuvers with the aircraft. It was really, really pleasant. Of course, they took care of me like you can't believe. I mean, I don't think there was a single weekend that I was on my own or left alone that somebody wasn't taking care of me and asking me if I didn't want to go along with them and do something. It sounds really awesome. I especially think that because I know I've been to several different places, different countries, and even though it's only a very short amount of time, you know, whether it's a stop for port of call or whatever, but, you know, you always enjoy seeing other countries. Some countries I've been in longer, like I spent four years in the Philippines, so I can imagine the experiences you got to have, and it, I think it's really fun. I think the biggest thing you learn by traveling in other countries and, and actually being among the people is you learn to appreciate how good we've got it in America. Absolutely. My concept is that people that live in the slums in America have it better than probably at least 50% of the people in the world. And they have no idea about that. <laughs> no, they often don't realize how good they've got it, you know, because everything is relative. So let's talk about transition from the military. How was it for you? Was it easy? Was it hard? For me, it was, I would say, very difficult because at that point in time, there was no transition. It was, you know, here's your final paycheck. We're picking up your goods tomorrow morning to transport them to your end assignment, which is where you're retiring. And good luck. They didn't say how to get a job, how to apply for a job, how to write a resume. All of that was kind of on my own. Unfortunately, it was kind of a bad time because we were in the middle of somewhat of a recession. It was difficult. I wrote probably 300 letters to people before somebody finally said, yes, I'd like to talk to you. Yeah, and they didn't have the advantages back then of having things like LinkedIn, and that's where we could network really well, right? No, it was all, you know, you write a resume, you write a cover letter, and you send it to somebody and hope it gets to the hiring manager or to the HR department where they can do something with it. Yeah, right, sending out resume after resume and just praying. <laughs> yep, that's exactly what it was. So tell us about your company. Okay, Picks in the Glen is me, myself and I, Then three of us run the program. Basically, it started because of a love of photography that I began when I got to Southeast Asia in 1972. Uh, I bought a camera, obviously film, 
And I took hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of slides of the entire area, Southeast Asia, later in Okinawa, later in Taiwan. And all of these pictures, you know, I learned what I could from uh, reading magazines, from reading books, from studying. Didn't have the Internet then, so I couldn't just log on to a webinar or whatever. But it was all trial and error, and I loved it. I had a dark room that I set up in my bathroom. The only time I could develop was at night because there was enough light leakage around the door that I couldn't get enough blankets or towels in there to block the light. But I developed, I had a projector, so I did my own printing, and I used to take 16 by 20 board, and I would print black and white picture, usually of an airplane, 20 by 24, and then I'd wrap it around so I'd get a wet mount on the board, and then you'd hang that up. You know, they looked really nice. Unfortunately, you know, 30-some years later, they're not really usable anymore, but it was great fun for me. I used to roll my own film and whatnot. The amount of photography that I did kind of went up and down as my career went around the world. When it came time for me to start thinking about what I really wanted to do when I grew up, after I had finished my second career with Verizon, I turned back to photography. That came about because in um, 1999, my mom died and my dad had always had it on his bucket list that he wanted to go through the Panama Canal. So in 2001, I took him through the Panama Canal on a cruise, and that's when the bug started raising its ugly head again, and I really realized how much I enjoyed photography. And then in 2008, I took my wife on a river cruise through China, and for that, I bought a digital camera, and that's when the bug just really, really bit hard, because instant gratification, great pictures, it was just really, really enjoyable for me to take pictures. I saw that one thing that you did that I think is great is on your LinkedIn profile. People actually wanted to check out some of your work and see what you did. At the bottom of your experience section there, you actually put some pictures that they could look at. I looked at it myself, and I thought they were fantastic. And talking about the pictures, I think it's really great what you're doing, basically like the, the package that you put together and the meaning behind it. Tell me about that. Well, basically what I do is I work with moms from the time they find out they're pregnant through their child's first birthday. So it's about an 18-month journey that we take together. I get to become almost part of the family. We meet very regularly. If I'm taking pictures of the growth of the baby bump, we meet once a month. We do a maternity session about eighth month, early in the eighth month. Uh, I do a newborn session somewhere between seven and ten days after the child is born. And then at three months, six months, nine months, and a year, we have another photo session. And then all of those pictures I take a look at, I edit, I put them together into an album that tells the story. And it's important that I tell the story of the child. So I tell the story of the pregnancy, I tell the story of the newborn, and I tell the story of the development of the child's personality. This is so important because that time goes by so quickly that by the time we get to the one-year anniversary, they're not even realizing we're there already. It's just where did the time go? So I get to tell that story to preserve that for mom so that a 100 years from now, she can pull that album out, assuming she lives that long, and look at the pictures and remember what it was like when she had little Johnny. Yeah, I wanted you to talk about that because I really think it's a beautiful thing that you're doing. I mean, sure, you know, you take professional photos, headshots, and they're really excellent. But, man, this is just something, it's a track record of time, and it's just a really beautiful thing. 
So what are the steps you took to get your business up and running? I would dare say that I probably did not do it the right way. Uh, I was kind of naive when I jumped into it, and I figured, you know, I've done other things in my life. I'll just jump in, I'll do it, and it'll work out. Well, after about two years, I figured out that knowing and becoming the best photographer in the world wasn't going to get me any business. You can be a mediocre photographer that is a great marketer, and you will have a good and productive and successful business. You can be the best photographer on the face of the earth. If you can't market yourself, you're going to get hungry and your business is going to fail. So it took me a while to figure that out. And then I started concentrating on marketing, learning how to market, learning what to market. And it's been a challenge. Learning how to market has been every bit as much of a challenge as learning how to be a good photographer. Did you do a business plan when you got started? No, I didn't. That's why I say I was pretty naive when I got out there. And uh, I mean, I had something in my head, but even that wasn't well defined. It was like, you know, well, people are just going to ask me to take pictures of it. I'll make money doing it. You know, no concept of how much I needed to charge or anything like that. Right. There's so much involved. The thing about it is that lots of us have things that we like, we're passionate about. And, you know, we may have a great idea and be like, this is exactly what I want to do. But, you know, it just seems like there just has to be so many steps behind it. And what you pointed out is that, you know, you basically have to do a lot of things in order to become successful. And marketing is certainly one of those. Very important. And you have to understand yourself. You know, you really have to know your fundamental why. And until you can get to the point to where you have a clear grasp of why you're doing what you're doing, you really can't tell anybody else. And you need to be able to tell somebody else why, because your fundamental why is what makes you unique. It's what makes you different than the other 20,000 photographers in the Tampa Bay area. Do you feel like your military experience and training helped prepare you to be a veteran business owner at all? Or because it's something, you know, that you didn't do in the military, not? I would say probably not. Now, that's the practical aspect. What I did get in the military was the stick-to-itiveness, the drive, the desire to succeed, not giving up. When it gets hard, you keep going, you don't quit. All of that came from the military. Does that make a difference in my business? I would say absolutely, because it drives me to keep going even when things may not be growing as quickly as I wish they would. And actually, thinking about it, I feel like it still makes a difference today because considering what you're doing and where you go volunteer, that is still the military helping you to be a good business owner because it's getting you out there and, you know, word of mouth and getting yourself out there is very much important. Oh, yeah. And we keep spreading the word because it's appreciated when people volunteer. So it makes them want to talk about you and tell other people. Well, I certainly appreciate that. You know, as I said, I do it because I love it and I love to be able to help people. What were some of the challenges that you faced when you were getting your business started? You said you didn't know marketing very well, but what other things did you maybe run into? Well, I found out very quickly after I started saying I was a photographer that I didn't know as much about photography as I thought I did. There was a pretty steep learning curve there. Obviously, a lot of expense buying equipment and then learning how to use that equipment. So it was a huge and steep learning curve for me. A lot of times I will hear people talk about when they started their business, one of the main things that's a challenge being financial. And now you were just talking about buying equipment. So was it a financial struggle for you as well? 
Well, not really, because fortunately I had uh, been able to make some pretty good investments along the way, and I had some income, I had source of money that kind of kept me going. You know, so I was not in a position where I had to start making money when I stopped out the door. I was able to take the time to learn how to do things to make the contacts that are going to help me out. If someone had gone out with no income possibility other than what they were doing, photography would be a really rough road right now. What is the key to the success of your business? I would say it's my personality. You know, I think people hire me. They don't hire my product. And I think that's important. You know, it's not important who I know. It's important who knows me. And so it's important to me that I get out, I get seen, I talk to people, I meet with people. And people are always willing to help. And that's the one thing I've noticed, that if you'll give people a chance, they're always willing to help you. And if you show that you're giving of yourself, then they're even more excited about helping you out. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And you do have a great personality and people were talking to you and it's possible that, you know, somebody would be like, oh, you know, I remember he took pictures for that. Maybe I want him to come to my event to take pictures and it just keeps going. Yeah, it does. And, you know, I had several people talk to me while I was there about potential things that might come down the road. You know, they're looking at setting up a conference someplace and, uh, you know, would I be interested in coming and taking pictures of it? Yeah, sure. So, yes, the opportunity is there. Generally, I'll ask if you use your business in some way to either help or hire veterans. But in this particular case, I don't know if you're going to have a staff of people taking pictures, but I already know certainly with what you do with Project Transition USA every single month that you already help veterans on a regular basis. And I just want to say that we so appreciate you coming and helping every place that you do that. Well, thank you very much. As I said, it is my pleasure. I really enjoy it. So what is one of the most important things that you've learned since starting your business that you can share? Well, I would say probably the hardest thing to do for me and probably the most important thing that I did was getting into a point where I could talk to people. I could get to an emotional point to talk with emotion to people. In the military, you're kind of discouraged from doing that. You don't talk about your problems. You don't show your weakness. And when I first got out, it was carry the burden yourself and don't tell anybody and don't talk about things that bother you or things that have happened to you in the past that maybe were pretty exciting or whatever. It took me probably at least two, maybe three years to get to the point to where I could start to tear down that wall that I had built around myself. And in order to get two people in order to be able to talk to people, to stand up in front of a group and really grab them so that they're listening to every word you're saying, it needs to be at the emotional level. And I've seen examples of people that have no speaking experience whatsoever, but they had a really dramatic and traumatic experience and they were able to describe it. And it was just so emotional. Everybody immediately connected with that person. And that's the way it needs to be. And it's something that we're not encouraged to do and, in fact, discouraged from doing it. So that was probably my biggest learning step. Yeah, I know what you mean, breaking down those walls. It's definitely not that way in the military as far as being very emotional. Yeah. You know, people have to deal with things that they're just taught to compartmentalize and, and then that's it. You know, you ne maybe never talk about it again. The interesting thing, I think, is that especially in what you're doing, 
when it comes to photography and taking pictures, the whole thing is really emotional. Oh, absolutely. A picture captures an emotion, you know, a smile, a laughter. It's supposed to make you look at it and feel like you can sense what's going on in there and how that person felt at the time. So it's just an extension of emotion that you're portraying out to the world. So you especially need to be able to do that. You know, I measure my success when I show a mom a picture of her and her child and she starts to cry. Wow. I know I have succeeded. I've caught that emotion. That's really awesome. And you probably get that all the time, don't you? It happens. I wouldn't say it happens all the time, but it does happen. Glenn, you know, when you took that profile picture for me, I cried. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) I'm just kidding. But it was a good picture, though, honestly. So um, for the transitioning veterans that want to start their own business, what action items list would you give them? I would say, number one, get involved in a local organization, whether that's a networking organization, whether that's a chamber of commerce or some other rotary or Lions Club or Elks Club or whatever. But get involved in a group where you're known. You're seeing the same people over and over and over, and you can build that confidence and you can build that relationship and you can start to feel comfortable talking about what you want to do and what you are doing. And when you get to the point where you can do that with people you know, then that can translate into being able to speak about it with people you don't know. And not to mention that doing something like that, joining those different groups and going there in person or even joining groups online, these are all opportunities just to constantly network with other people. Right. Every single time you talk to someone, it could potentially become somebody who knows somebody that needs you at an event or somebody that's just personally interested in taking a picture. Now, I remember when we were at PodFest together and we were sitting around talking and I asked you to say something about what you did to the guy that was sitting on my left. The next thing you know, he's like, you know, my daughter. So, yeah, it's always good to talk about it, and that's definitely good advice for anybody that's getting ready to start a business. Make sure that they are happy with what they're doing, that their idea is something that they love, and that they should definitely talk to people about it because that's actually a way for them to get feedback on whether maybe they're going down the right path because if people are like, oh, maybe that's not the right idea, maybe they should rethink it or something. Yeah, I would suggest go online and find groups, you know. Meetup is probably the easiest place in the world to go find somebody that's got an interest group that you might be interested in. It doesn't have to be job related. You might be interested in somebody that does microbreweries, for example, or maybe photography when you meet it just as a hobby, not as a business. And go find something you want to do. Go to Toastmasters. Get used to talking in front of people. That's something that's very easy to find and takes not a whole lot of time out of your life, but it can provide tremendous rewards. Yes, definitely. So I'm guessing then that you are a member of some meetup groups that have to do with microbreweries after you spent all that time in Germany, right? No, actually, I'm not, but (laughs) it would be fine if I was. (laughs) So do you have any other action items that you can think of for transitioning veterans? I would just say... Learn how to talk about yourself. Well, not only learn how to talk about yourself, but do it. Get out, meet people, even if it's just in your church or in your community or in your PTA group, whatever. Don't be the wallflower. Be the one that comes up and meets the president and talks to him and says, how can I help? Be the one that greets people at the door when they come through the door. Hi, Bill. I'm John. Glad to meet you. Glad you're here. Such a simple thing. 
And about the second or third time you've done that, everybody starts anticipating that you're going to be there and they all know who you are. And that's the first step. They know you. Great idea. And it's also every time you speak, every time you step up and do that, it's practice. So you get better at it. Yes. That's great advice. And I think the transitioning veterans that are getting out of the military will be able to use that information and knowledge to be successful because it does take you know, mentors in most cases to help people get where they need to be. And people that have already been through the ringer and can share that knowledge, it's just really appreciated. So, Glenn, I really wanted to thank you today for sharing that knowledge and giving us some other great stories about some of the experiences that you've had while you were in the military. It has truly been a pleasure, and I would just leave you with one thought. The best athletes in the world have trainers. And if you think you're better than they are and you don't need a trainer, then I think you're cheating yourself. So find somebody that can help you. That is excellent. Is that a quote? No. You made that up. I made it up just now, yes. So you heard that from Glenn Nielsen. <laughs> well, thank you, Glenn, and we will talk to you soon. I can't wait to work with you again in whatever respect it is, volunteering or events or whatever. It's always a pleasure to see you. All right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. In this episode with Glenn, we heard some great advice you can take advantage of on your own journey. Learn to show emotion. Join groups to help you discover your passion and to get used to talking to groups of people. Examples would be a meetup.com group, Toastmasters, and the local Rotary Club. Learn how to talk about yourself and find a mentor or trainer. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Be sure to keep coming back each week for more great episodes. If you want to talk about something you learned today, if you have questions, or if you would like to be a guest on our podcast, go to AmericanHeroesNetwork.com and click on Contact Us. Thank you for listening.